Good morning, Inspire. How are you today? Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. Everybody except James and Sharice, that is. Would you please stand up? Pastors James and Sharice Bird from Stockton, California. Would you welcome them? They are amazing. She is one of the best worship leaders you will ever want to be in a service with. And he's one of the best pastors that you will ever meet. We have been connected at the heart, well, since before they even got married. And they now have their first grandchild. So for many years, they pastor a large, thriving church. I'm so honored that they're here this morning. In fact, I would have had him speak if we had not planned for baptism Sunday. He's an incredible preacher. And we'll get a chance to hear him on another occasion. But aren't you glad for what God is doing right now? I am overwhelmed. We're continuing our series on hunger this morning. Hunger is the key to every great breakthrough that you will ever receive in your lifetime. It's one of the great success principles of life. If you get hungry enough, something is going to give. Something will happen. And whether that's in your career, your family, or working out at the gym to get your health back, or whatever it may be, when people get hungry enough to take the steps necessary to address what is causing that hunger, things happen. You have a breakthrough. And that is particularly true in the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 6 in the Sermon on the Mount that when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. And it's unfortunate that many people in view of what we're doing today, baptizing folk, Because these people have come to this place because of their hunger for God. And there is a stirring in our world like has never existed since I've been alive. And people are seeking God. It's unfortunate that with folk that are responding like this, there are many that still believe baptism is nothing but a ritual. It's a tradition of the church. It's much more than that. Since COVID has ended, people are going back to church and they're going, as you've heard me say, in a remarkably different way than they went before COVID. They're not going to tick that box in terms of their obligations for the week. That's not why they they go to church. That's not why you're here. People are going to church because they want an encounter with God. They need something substantial that they can trust in after everything else and all the props were knocked out from underneath them by COVID. And one of the things that you see people doing as they're getting baptized is they're taking a step forward in their commitment to the Lord. If you haven't been baptized yet and you're here, we do have some robes and some towels or you can do what Pastor Steve mentioned and you can go home and get them. We'll still be around. Spanish services at two o'clock. So we'll have folk here and we want to make sure you get baptized. But I'm turning to an Old Testament text for a few minutes today. Exodus 14, 9 through 15. So the Egyptians pursued them 
all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, that is Israel, camping by the sea beside pi Haharith before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone? And that's kind of how the world was acting before COVID. Just leave us alone. Go on, you do your thing, we'll do ours. Boy, that's changed. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. We've got our taskmasters. We'll just walk it out. We'll live it. We'll do what we want to do. For it would have been better, they told Moses, for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. And then this phrase, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you. And you shall hold your peace. And then in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 2. Give you a moment and give them a moment to put it on the screen. That cloud that separated Israel from the Egyptian people had moved to the front and was leading them. They were in Goshen and now Pharaoh said, I'm done, get out of here. That cloud shifted to the front and led them into the most impossible place. They were hemmed in by mountains and and by Pharaoh's army behind them and And the Red Sea in front of them. And then God opened a way through the Red Sea. They went through dry shot on dry ground. And Pharaoh's army became emboldened. And they chased after them and came to the Red Sea and said, Well, if the Israelites can do it, we can too. And they started through the water. And God caused that cloud in front of Israel to pass through Israel. And position itself between Israel and the Egyptians. And when it did, they were breathing in the very essence of the presence of God. Because that that cloud was the manifest presence of God. It's kind of like we've shared before that whenever you receive the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, which is his breath, and, and he fills you. This is what literally happened to Adam when Adam was created. I don't want to spend but a moment there. And so when you breathe in and out, you go, and you are literally saying the name of Yahweh every single time you breathe and take a breath. Even atheists that don't believe in God are pronouncing his existence with every breath they take. And when they breathe in, His presence came into them. And it reminds you of the moment that Jesus stood and looked at his disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. 
and breathed upon them. Because Christ recognized the breath of God as being the very essence of the Holy Spirit. And so in 1 Corinthians 10 and 2, Paul takes up this theme. And he says, regarding what happened at the Red Sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Father, would you speak to us for a few minutes and help us to understand the profundity of the truths in your word and how it has been put together in such a way that even thousands of years ago, you were laying the pieces of the puzzle out and causing the picture of redemption to be made clear to us. And I ask it for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. For a few minutes, the importance of baptism. The Old Testament is filled with stories and customs and regulations that have a far greater significance than is just contained in the words of the narrative. It means much more than that. There's an added depth of meaning in that they represent in these stories, these regulations, these, these truths from the Old Testament, they represent prophetic spiritual lessons that in the Old Testament were hidden but revealed now in the new. In Hebrews 8 and 5, the Bible calls them shadows of heavenly things. The things in heaven cast a shadow over the history of mankind, but you couldn't see the shadow clearly. It has no substance. And it wasn't until later that Paul says in Colossians 2.17, these things, those shadows, those things that happen, the narratives in the Old Testament, The regulations, he said, are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Christ had not come, so the substance had not yet arrived. An example is the Passover lamb. We all know what that means. We celebrated the resurrection of the Passover lamb last Sunday. It was given 1,500 years, the Passover lamb was, before Christ himself actually came. But when you look into the stories of the Bible, you will find an amazing ability to understand what God was orchestrating and putting together the whole time. Israel and Egypt is another example of that. Egypt represents, doesn't it, our past sin and bondage, our past enslavement. Anybody here used to be enslaved to things that you're free from now? I wish I could get... Somebody to be real for just a moment. Anybody, alcoholism used to have a grip on you or drugs or some other addiction and it would not let you go. And you went in and out of rehabs and in and out of hospitals and clinics and and saw counselors and nothing helped. But then one night God got a hold of your heart or one day and you gave your life to God and that started the process of your healing and recovery. Amen. The cloud was the manifest presence of God, but the Red Sea also stood for something. It represented the waters of baptism. That's what Paul tells us. They were baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And so contrary to what many people think, baptism is not just a ritual, a tradition that is meaningless outside of identifying with a particular church that you're now becoming a member of. And 
When you look at this story, the, the, the story of Moses as he turns and thunders to the children of Israel so that his voice will be heard above theirs. And they're crying out, Moses, didn't we tell you to let us alone? Did you bring us out here because we didn't have enough graves already in Egypt? Moses' voice roars and he says, you see these Egyptians? The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again as long as you live. And that is because the sea closed in over them. And every one of them died and was drowned. The Red Sea, which is a type of baptism, erased the slate clean. Is there anybody in this building that needs some stuff erased? Anybody here glad that God's got a way of putting the past behind you where you will not see it or have to encounter it again? For that reason, baptism is a matter of extraordinary spiritual significance and much more than a ritual. Egyptian slavery was Israel's past. Once they had been through the Red Sea, the promised land was now their future. It pivoted everything. In that significant moment, it changed their destiny, the outcome of the story, and the Egyptians were surrounded by the flood that crashed in on them and totally wiped out. They had been in hot pursuit of the nation of Israel. Have you ever felt like your past was trying to catch up with you? Am I talking to people that don't know anything at all about what I'm saying right now? Or is there somebody in this house, you know what it's like to hear and look over your shoulder because you feel the past breathing down your neck. This is what the psalmist said in Psalms 49 and 5. Why should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity at my heels surrounds me? Your heels are at the back part of your foot. And what that was talking about was my iniquity, my past is nipping at my heels. If that's somebody in this building right now, the mistakes you've made, the failures in your life, the mess ups, I felt it so strong when I saw one person come up to the altar a little bit ago. And I'm not going to tell you who that was. I don't know a thing about them. But I felt like God was saying, I'm about to show that individual the past can be let go of forever, forever. God provided a way to get rid of the past. Baptism is number one, a matter of obedience. Rather than you just thinking it's a tradition whereby you join a church, we would love for you to join Inspire. In fact, we joke, tell folk, if you live within 45 miles, you don't even get to vote. We already accepted you, amen. We love you, want you to be a part here. But on the other hand, When you get baptized, you're following Christ in obedience. Because in Matthew 3, 13 through 15, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. That is John. And John tried to prevent it. That's what the Bible says. Saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. 
And then he allowed him, that is John allowed Jesus to be baptized. And Jesus went into the water. And when he came up, a voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. What does that tell you? There was not a more perfect, sinless individual who has lived before or since. There has never been someone that needed baptism less than Jesus did. But you know what he said? I'm going to obey God and be obedient to what God is going to require of humanity. And what God is asking the rest of us to do. Amen. And he set the mark and set, as it were, a pattern for us to follow. It was not just that. But the moment Jesus stepped up out of the water... He left whatever his past had looked like, though it was sinless, and stepped into the fulfillment of his destiny. That began his ministry. You don't know what might happen when you get baptized to these people that are getting baptized. You don't know what's getting ready to open up in their life. Heaven is about to open over them, and only God knows what's going to take place next. Come on, somebody give God some praise right now. Amen. And I've been in this long enough. To know that I'm not perfect and I've messed up along the way on more than one occasion and every one of us have because as I've often told you, there are no perfect people in this church. If you're looking for a perfect church, I have really bad news for you. There's going to be somebody standing at the door saying, me and you can't go because we're not perfect and it wouldn't be perfect anymore. That's just the reality. There's no perfect church. There's only one who was ever perfect, and that's Christ. And am I talking to anybody that along the way you've messed up? And the enemy beat you down and you feel like the past is closing in behind you. And every time you lay your head down, the devil says, I know what you did. And every time you go to God in prayer and every time the Holy Spirit moves in a a church service, the devil says, that's for everybody else. But you can't participate because you are no longer qualified. I was there. I saw it. I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. Make your way back boldly into the presence of God. Amen. And baptism literally serves that purpose too. There's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. You're only required to be baptized once. But I've known children that were baptized when they were small, grow up and look back and say, I'm not sure I really understood it. Can I get baptized? And you know what I say? Of course you can and I've known believers that, as I said, did great and something happened and the devil set a trap and they, they feel so beat down and crushed with the burden of their own problems. They say, Pastor, I think it might help me if I could get baptized again to signal a clean break with all of that. Well, listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter 3 and 21. Baptism is also, that means the added benefit, it's also The matter of a good conscience toward God. Amen. Baptism has a way of putting everything behind you. It is also an act of identification. Baptism announces to the world, to the devil, to everybody. Hey, 
this person now belongs to Jesus. Do I have any of Jesus' people here today? Amen. We read of two disciples in the Bible, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who were secret disciples. But there was something about seeing what Jesus did on that cross and how before the world he gave himself and bled and died that they said, I'm not going to be a secret disciple anymore. In fact, Joseph of Arimathea came forward and said, you can take his body and put it in my tomb. I don't care who knows now. I was kind of afraid. You see, they were members of the Sanhedrin Council. And they were afraid of what their friends and business associates may think. And there is a point where you can put all of that behind you. And baptism helps you step forward. When you've been hiding in the shadows, baptism is a bold step in the right direction to announce to the world, I'm a child of God. And God knows in these crazy, mixed up, turbulent times... We need to let the world know whose we are. And thirdly, baptism, and I'm really about done, is an act of deliverance. That's the message from the book of Exodus that I just read. These Egyptians, these taskmasters, the reason you've got all those scars on your back, the reason that some of you have died and been buried in Egypt, the reason you've been through so much pain and anguish and suffering over the last 400 years, you see those guys? Take a good look. You're not going to see them after this moment because they're about to be gone forever. Amen. You are being delivered out of Egyptian bondage. Oh, I felt that go through me. I'm talking to somebody that's being delivered in this house right now. Who is that? I'm talking to somebody that God is setting free right now. Give God some praise in this building. Hallelujah. Those of you that were here last Sunday know that that can extend to healing too. Right over here. I'm not even sure if he's here in this service or maybe the first one. But I had met a man and counseled with him in the common room there outside the offices. And he had told me, oh, two and a half, three, four months ago, he had terminal cancer. And he said, it's going to be all right, Pastor. And then I saw him last Sunday After the nine o'clock service. And that was the gentleman that I said. The doctor had just told him two weeks before. He was healed. There was no terminal cancer there anymore. Amen. And I'm going to tell you. If it had not been Easter. You know what I would have done at that moment. I would have thrown the old altar open. And said whoever needs healing. Come right now. Because the water is troubled. But I will tell you the same thing today. That if you need deliverance. There's a God in this house. That will deliver you. And set you free. From whatever it is. That you are going through. Whatever you're facing. He's here. Amen. And our musicians are coming. And that begs the final question, who should be baptized? Who should be baptized? I personally believe the scripture teaches, and I I think all of us here do, that baptism is literally for every believer, every person who comes to God. And there's a reason that I believe that. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus is... Final instructions to his disciples. Listen, go therefore 
and make disciples of all nations. Can I hear somebody say all? Come on, that's not some, that's not most, that's not 99%. That's all nations. And of course, you don't baptize a globe, you baptize the people of the nation. So he's literally talking about everyone. And he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then I think of the day of Pentecost, where Peter actually puts into practice the instruction that Jesus gives him before he's caught up into heaven. And you remember the story? Because after Jesus was caught away, they went back to Jerusalem and waited, some say seven days, others say 10, for the day of Pentecost to come. And they were praying in the upper room and wham. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all of the house. There's that breath of God. that God breathes upon those people. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gives them the utterance. And because it was a religious festival, the festival of Pentecost, there were people from all over the Jewish speaking world and even languages that they had been, they, they were, that is to say, they, they spoke more than one language. They, people from Rome and in all kind of places and foreign countries. But of course, being a Hebrew, they had learned Hebrew as well. But living in these other places, they had learned to speak and their daily conversation was in their, the tongue or the language of the country they had been raised in. And they are staggered because all of these people in the upper room are speaking languages that they never could have learned because they weren't from those countries. And they, their first thought was, these people are drunk. And Peter stands up and says, they're not drunk like you think they are. He didn't deny the fact that they were probably a little intoxicated, but on heavenly substance and not earthly wine. Amen. They were high on the right kind of high, if you know what I'm talking about. And he said, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last days says, God, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. And Peter said, this is that. That was spoken by the prophet Joel. And they said, what do we need to do? And I'm reading. Then Peter said to them, repent. Metanoia, change your mind about the life you've been living. Determine that you're turning your life over to God. You have to do this every single day of your life. There's not a day that goes by that I don't pray. Lord, help me experience metanoia. Change my mind. Give me such insight in the word of God that my mind is constantly changing and being renewed. Amen. Repent, metanoia, and let every one of you. Who? I need somebody to say. Who? Repent and let every, oh, I'm talking to somebody right now. If you haven't been baptized, this is God's plan for you. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So who here today has not been baptized? We have some robes. We have towels. 
You can go home and get some if you live nearby. We baptize every day. Whenever people want to be baptized, there's constantly people being baptized. Would you stand with me for just a moment? Saul was struck down on the road to Damascus. Remember the story? He later becomes the apostle Paul. And in Acts 22 and 16, he's blind because of the vision that he had. And God calls an old disciple named Ananias. And he said, go. And he told him where to go. And he said, you will find this guy, Saul. And you are to go to him and pray for him and baptize him. And in 22:16 of the book of Acts, Ananias shows up, knocks on the door and says to Saul, now, why are you waiting, Saul? And I would ask you that question. Why are you waiting? The great apostle Paul is about to step into his destiny. But right now he's waiting. Don't wait any longer. The next step may be the most impactful one you will ever take in your life. It may change your world forever. Saul, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Every head bowed. Who in this building needs, needs to put their past behind them? Who in this building needs to have some Egyptians taken away forever? Who in this building needs the iniquity of their heels to be removed? Who in this building wants to make a clean break with the mistakes that haunt you? Who in this building needs deliverance? Who in this building wants to be obedient? You know who I'm talking to right now. And if you slip up your hand and say, that's me, pastor. I need Jesus today. God bless you. Keep raising them. God bless you and you. Come on, all over the building. God bless you. Ground floor, balcony. That's right. Risers. See all those hands. God bless you and you and you. Bless you. In a moment, you'll have a chance to go right out there in the direction I'm pointing to the chapel. Rest of you, I'd love to meet when we get done praying here. It'll only take a few minutes and I'll try to get out and meet you but usually right out in the lobby on the left side of the lobby as you're about to exit out into the parking lot I love meeting the people who come and visit with us who are looking for a church and the wonderful people who have become a part of this church you continue to amaze me but before we go this is before I'm going to ask you to do something would you come join me right now Everybody, across the building. And those of you that raised your hands, that's your moment. That's your opportunity. Come. 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 Come and join us. And we're going to pray together. And breakthroughs are going to happen. And God's going to do things in this place. And people are going to be delivered from some Egyptians. Now, what's your Egyptian? What's the Egyptian that's tormenting you? For some people, that might be a physical ailment or condition. That's why I mentioned the brother who had been healed last week. If you'll come all the way forward because there are people behind you. And I realize not everybody can get here. But what I ask you to do is take a step forward. 
simply because when you do so, you're saying, I'm in, I'm in. When the water's troubled, I'm in. I'm I'm not going to stand out here on the bank. I'm in. I'm in. That's what baptism means. It means to submerge. Totally cover. I want to be all in, God. I want to be all in for you. I want to pray for you right now. In a moment, they're going to begin to sing, but before they do, and lead us in worship. I really have felt this for the last several weeks. And I want to know, is there anybody, and you don't have to say what it's for, you need deliverance, just raise your hand. For, hand come on, raise them up all over the building. Look at there, look at there. That has been, that's got a hold of me. I can't get away from it. How many of you will spend some time this week fasting and praying for deliverance that often occurs in the context of a worship service when you have an encounter with God stuff breaks away it breaks away amen you remember Isaiah woe is me I'm undone I'm a man of unclean lips he sees the Lord And the angel takes a coal from the fires of the altar and cleanses his lips. Boy, when you get in the presence of God, stuff starts peeling off like old varnish. It peels off worse than a a weathered born out in the country that hadn't seen paint in 15 years. It just breaks away. Would you lift your hands with me? Father, I'm praying right now for every one of these precious people who raised their hands a moment ago. And we're going to do exactly what your word said. Forgive us. Help us to experience metanoia. We repent of the self-will in our own lives and hearts. And we ask that you would help us to be fully surrendered and all in with God. Not saying that we won't make mistakes. I know me better than anybody, Lord. And So does everyone else know themselves who are in this house. But Lord, we do surrender and we submit our lives to you. And we don't lean on our strength, we lean on yours. And we ask you to be our redeemer, our savior. Hallelujah. And I pray that for every person who is healed here that raised their hands. Now, some people are going to receive the Holy Spirit today. I think they've already been doing it back there, getting baptized. But I want us to welcome every person that prayed that prayer. Come on, let's have a party for a moment. Can I hear somebody? Give God a shout. Hallelujah.